Frank Romeo stands before a very large canvas at the National Veterans Art Museum. It's one of the earliest paintings he ever created, and he tells the audience that his trauma didn't feel pastel in any way. It was deep, down, earthy, as the human figure he rendered here is, a figure tense with eyes raised intensely questioning, someone speaking with every fiber of his taut torso, one word, why? The title of the painting, why? The head and shoulders of the figure seem trapped within the frame. One hand covers his mouth in a pondering gesture, but also as if signifying a silence that is beyond words. Words are not adequate to the pain, the suffering of the trauma Frank portrays coming from his experience in Vietnam. And once he began to paint, Frank says he painted endlessly with an explosion of emotion, as if breaking out of his own silence and out of the frame or frames that had been trapping him. All the potential energy pent-up force we see in the figure on that canvas was not released in a scattered way in Frank's life, though, as if taking off in all directions. No, Frank is now laser-focused, moving in one direction only, and that is forward. Frank is moving forward, and there is no better symbol of his drive to make a difference in the lives of veterans than his urgent need to walk. Frank is a moving image through literal landscapes like New York State, but also through the lives of veterans near and far. Ryan Mayers and Matt Mayers have been drawn to moving images for most of their lives. They are movie makers, award-winning pros, who are committed to telling stories that are emotionally real and humane. And they were caught up by Frank's energy and dedication to raising awareness about PTSD in veterans from all wars, people suffering from trauma, period. The mayors have created a full-length feature, a documentary titled Walk with Frank, and they chronicle a literal geographical walk that Frank has taken across New York State but also through their artistry and passion to tell important human stories, they help us understand what it means to be touched by Frank, even transformed by Frank as he enters into our lives, framing scenes not to suppress or limit, as Frank's figure in the painting, Why, has been caged, but to allow us to focus on Frank and his wholehearted devotion to healing, one person at a time. Ryan Mayers and Matt Mayers are natives of Wilkes-Barre, and their powerful film is being screened on public television stations across the country in November to coincide with the Veterans Day holiday. And Walk with Frank will be broadcast here in their home region, November 3rd and 4th, and on Veterans Day itself on WVIA-TV. We had a chance to speak by Zoom with Ryan and Matt about their roots in northeastern Pennsylvania and their remarkable encounter with Frank Romeo, Ryan Mayers. I grew up in South Wilkes-Barre and went to Myers High School and um, just proud to be from Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley. 
And and that always stays with me, you know, and I'm sure Matt can say the same. When you have that in your heart and in your blood, we grew up right along the Susquehanna River. and Just something that it's always, it, it kind of defines who you are when you grow up in Wilkesbury. Who's older and who started with the, the interest in film? Um, well, I'm older and I don't, honestly, we, we've been making movies since we were little kids. I think it was something that as soon as we can get our hands on our parents' Betamax, originally it was the Betamax, and we would mess around and make movies. Our parents did too. They kind of encouraged it. They, they would make music videos in our basement and we would lip sync the songs. And it was like the early days of home movies. So we were always playing around. And then it got, you know, it got to the point where it evolved and we started coming up with stories and different things that we wanted to try. What were you watching on TV, Matt? Or were you going to the Comerford or the Paramount? All of it. I mean, we grew up watching, you know, old Batman reruns and the Land of the Lost and all the Saturday morning stuff. And grew up really watching Star Wars and the movies that, those are the movies that really got us into the idea of filmmaking was watching. And it wasn't so much, Star Wars was great, we were really into it, but it was when we saw behind the scenes, the making of Star Wars, that we really got, I think, the bug to like, we want to do this, like we can try to make something fun. And I think at that point, we started making videos just in our basement to try to make our family laugh. And the more they did, the more people reacted, the more we wanted to make them better and better. So we just kind of evolved as we went on. And always a team. You were a team right from the get-go. I think it was one of those things that was just unspoken. I feel like we just always had fun making movies together. And I, I think we just realized that it was better if we had the other one involved. So I think we always recruited the other one for other for projects, whatever it was, and we still do. So it's it's a lot of fun. Now, did you formally study filmmaking? I, I, I joke with my wife that I have a a master's degree from the School of Hard Knocks because I I think that, I think that when you work in film. There's no set path. It's not like you go to law school and become a lawyer. I mean, I went to film school, but it was, uh, I went to Penn State and majored in communications and film, but it wasn't, there's nothing like that hands-on experience. You really have to do it. Yeah. So I, I moved to New York after college and worked as a production assistant and an assistant editor and just tried to work on as many things as possible and learn as much as I could. And I, I learned more on the job than I did in school. Matt, how about your path? Yeah, very similar. I mean, there's always a learning curve and we're always kind of riding that curve. But when we went, I went to college, I was also a musician. So I was trying to find my path and ended up going more into the film thing than the music. Still do music, but the film foundation was there and had a great education at Pitt. It's like Ryan said, you're not really sure what path do you want to go down in that in that business. So you're kind of exploring all things. And over time, I learned film cutting in college, actual cutting and taping film reels and developing it. So when you left college, it was then the whole learning curve of learning video editing trying to get into the nonlinear. So I feel like that kind of learning early on, having to sort of readjust and grow and relearn things as you go has helped us now because with TikTok and social media, I mean, we've had to relearn what we're doing every few years for us and for the clients. And I think that flexibility early on and not really knowing what we wanted, sort of having a, having our feet in sort of all areas of production kind of really gave us that, that foundation we needed to sort of, what do we need to do to make our own movie? Just the two of us. And as technology advanced in the late 90s, early 2000s with digital cinema and nonlinear editing, you could have Final Cut Pro at home and be able to edit your own movies where before it was either edited on film or edited on, a, on an Avid, a big expensive machine that uh, you couldn't have at home. So 
having digital cameras and digital editing really changed it. And we, we were able to we make got it. lucky. I mean, the way the time that we came in that we were leaving college was around that time of that transition between film and video. So it was as we were learning the tools, we were also sort of being introduced to the material tools that we needed to actually produce a movie on the cheap, you know, not needing thousands of dollars, just taking the camera for the weekend and going and doing stuff. And not having to worry about that money roll every time you hit record, thinking about developing film and stuff like that was very liberating for us creatively. And you guys are pros. You really are serious filmmakers, each one of you in various... Well, Ryan led the path to New York City, and I think that's really what helped establish us. Um, you know, he was working as an editor. Then he climbed the ladder from a PA to an editor at this company. And I started there as a PA and was able to sort of, you know, establish myself in the city here, meet people, make connections. And eventually moved up here as well. So I think all that, just being in the city for that long and, and building relationships and trying to always work with good people and bring people into projects. And that's one thing we learned early on was it's only as good as the people you collaborate with. So we wanted to surround ourselves with good people that know what they're doing. And I think, you know, we built a reputation for that. And we work and live in different cities, but I think we both individually try to establish that on our own. Um, so when we do come together, we have each other's sort of, you know, well of resources to, to dip from. I was in New York for about five years, and I ended up going to Chicago for a long time. That's where I met my wife and got married, and we stayed there for, for a long time. I worked for uh, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, I worked for different shows on the History Channel, and I'm working on a show now, American Greed, on CNBC. So, you know, I, I made a living as an editor. I do occasionally film and, and, and produce, but mostly editing is what I do for a living. And then Matt and I continue to make films, and, you know, both of us individually and together. It's just something creatively that I think we'll always have the itch to do. And so this latest film, Walk with Frank, is our first feature documentary. We've made short documentaries, we've made short narrative films, but this is the first feature. So it's it's a whole new learning curve of being a filmmaker kind of driving the project as opposed to just being one part of the team. I watched the trailer and I was choking up a couple of times in a two-minute Piece, and it's not because you're milking anything. It's just the very nature of the story that's being told and the body language and the interaction of Frank with people. Well, it's a tough subject matter to approach because I think it's very it's a sensitive and it's, it's emotional and it's, and it's something people don't feel comfortable talking about in general. So I think initially uh, it might be a hard thing for people to want to look at or, or uh, watch. But I think that our story, I mean, we, at least we were attempting to be uplifting and ins inspirational. And I, I think Frank's story to us is very inspirational. Just how yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, we went into this not really knowing a lot about PTSD or, you know, how the veterans or what's available and what's not and just the issues they face. And, you know, Frank's candidness and his just like willingness to be open was really, I mean, number one, as a filmmaker, you wish for a subject that's that generous in opening up their lives, their personal lives and their trauma and history with trauma. But to be able to do it, not just for the cameras, but I mean, the whole point, he's been doing this for years for other people. So it's just it's what he does. I mean, it's just ingrained in his blood is that he can't do he can't move forward through life without trying to get others to do the same and move forward and find their own thing and find their own passion and sort of embrace who they are as opposed to trying to sweep it under the rug. And, you know, it was so refreshing, really, for us to learn about post-trauma from someone who is so willing to share and like I said, as a filmmaker, that's your dream to have someone who's willing to open up on the camera. And as we met more and more people, his his willingness to open up became contagious and everyone wanted to open up. And we saw him changing people, really changing the trajectory of people's lives on this on this journey. And 
for us, it's so exciting now to be able to, to spread that message nationwide. We know there are a million stories in the Naked City. How did you come upon Frank and decide we want to tell this story? Because you talk about storytelling and emotional truth in storytelling. This seems like a perfect match, but how did you come Things upon Things just him? happen. Things are just meant to be. And uh, he had a crew lined up that fell through for whatever reason. And through a friend, a friend recommended him to us. We, he came over to my house. We had a meeting. And it was just one of those things where, like, you know, I felt like I'd known him forever by the time he left. You know, we felt like we just had this kinship and this connection, the three of us. And he left and Ryan and I talked and it was just like timing wise. I mean, it was perfect because we had just come off projects and we were looking for something to do. But it was, you know, we meet people all the time in our career, want to make movies and have ideas. And it's always kind of like when you hear it, it's sometimes over ambitious or, um, you know, you've been down that road before. And this guy, there was something different about something different about the way he talked about what he wanted to do. The work that he had already been doing on it, it was already something that he had established, that he had built a following. And, his uh, passion. and the more he told us about it, the more it really just inspired us. We were just like, this is really one of the most amazing personal stories I've ever heard in my entire life. And, you know, it just became, of course, we're going to do this. Let's just figure out how. So introduce us to Frank. Well, when we first met Frank, he was just about to turn 70 years old. And his idea, his kids asked him, he has seven children, big Italian family, and his kids were trying to figure out what to do for his birthday. Do you want to go on a cruise? Do you want to go to, a, I don't know, tour baseball stadiums? Like all his kids had ideas. And Frank was like, no, I want to walk across New York State. That was what he wanted to do. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And, his, and, and so the more we got to know Frank, we realized that this was, I mean, his kids were surprised, but they also knew that when Frank sets his mind to something, he was going to do it. And um, this is something that he had been working for 30 years advocating for PTSD and educating about PTSD. Ever since he started to come to terms with his own PTSD and learn about it, he wanted to share that. So this was like the culmination of everything. He just wanted people to pay attention to PTSD, pay attention to veterans, and give the homeless a voice. That's what he wanted to do, because there's so many people that are just, you know, they don't have a platform. They don't have a way to, to tell their story. So Frank wanted to tell other story through his. And th that was also coinciding with um, he had built an educational curriculum that Bayshore High School, which is his high school from growing up. They were going to pilot this and certain schools throughout the state were going to be piloting it as well. So the idea for Frank was I want to walk across New York State, live in homeless shelters to sort of, you know, find out what's happening on the ground from Buffalo all the way down to New York City. But along the way, visit these high schools and see the curriculum and find out how it's working, find out what these kids are thinking about it and just, you know, introducing them to these concepts that are new to them. And, and you know, it works in social studies, it works in mental health, it works in history classes. I mean, it really can be incorporated into any function of school curriculum. So the idea was to do that, to sort of follow the curriculum across New York State and, and sort of see what's happening on the ground level with the homeless. Like you said, we came in at the end. This was a culmination of a lot of years of his work and he had it all planned out by the time we came in. So it was really... And this, and this uh, curriculum was... It's called the experience of the American soldier. And the whole idea is that it's learning about history from the perspective of the soldier. You know, As opposed to textbooks. So it's yeah, studying really letters. Like it's studying actual, you know, how war tools have evolved over the years. You know, how bombs and how just the level of, from the very personal soldiers on the battlefield to the very impersonal drones and everything's on remote and you know still the same effect on soldiers that has not changed from the civil war to, to wars today so it's really interesting how we kids and people connect on that personal level start to relate it to their lives and it's not just about military trauma it's about 
all trauma. So it's, you know, it talks about hurricanes, floods, losing a loved one in the family. I mean, everyone experiences this. And the way that Frank embraces it, it really inspires you to do the same. And you see someone that's really, and he's had, a, you know, he's touched on all these things, prison time, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. And when you realize that he overcame all these things and did it with his family and the people in his lives, and it took a lot of work and a lot of apologizing and a lot of figuring himself out. But once he did that, it was, the, you know, he felt like he had all the tools he needed, not just to move forward, but to help others realize that there is a path. And it might not be a cure, but definitely just a, a way forward instead of being stuck in place. And Frank, Frank's an artist at heart, which is why I think another reason that Matt and I really connected with him. And one, one of the ways he was able to kind of get outside his head was artwork. He, he started painting. And that's a big turning point in his life when he was able to paint kind of visualizations of what he was maybe feeling or what he was thinking about. It was able to, he was able to open up himself to his family and conversations with his kids. The thing we found as we went on, it's, it's not just about helping veterans. It's you realize that for every veteran that needs help or that's suffering, there's a whole family and network of friends that are also dealing with him suffering and having effects from that. And it could be, you know, they're talking about the trauma being genetic. So they're looking at how the kids are affected by a parent's trauma as they're born. And then also, you know, Agent Orange and how the physical effects he dealt with with his family and children. And you realize that it's not just one person when you're talking about PTSD. It's it's one person, but it branches out to so many people. And we found that this film has really been helpful to start those conversations between a veteran and their family about just what they are dealing with and help them understand it a little bit, a little bit better. We're not veterans. I think help that approach. I think a lot of these a lot of veterans appreciate what we did not be not having served because they feel like a lot of the support and voices that are lifting them up come from the veteran community, which is still a small portion of this country. So, you know, to be a voice for people that have not served to listen and try to break that bridge, that gap of fear of like not knowing how to talk to a veteran and not knowing sort of how to understand, you realize like there's such a simple way through that if we can just break that barrier. You went on the, on the walk then. You stayed in the homeless shelters. What did you do as filmmakers? Yeah, so we had a team. It was Matt, myself, and we had a cinematographer, Richard Chisholm, a great cinematographer in Baltimore, which is how Matt and I met Frank in the first place. Um, Richard had been working with Frank, trying to do a, a fundraising video just to raise money for the money that it would take just to do the walk itself. So we took turns. I went to Rochester. I met with I met Frank up there. He was staying at this uh, homeless shelter called Richard's House, which is part of the Rochester Veterans Outreach Center. And it was really interesting because it was a group home. And veterans, they basically like created a society within this. It was a family within this uh, within this shelter. They did chores. They all met up together for dinner every day and they, they helped each other. And uh, it was kind of amazing. So I stayed with Frank there and we met some amazing people. This one veteran, uh, Doc, that we met there, uh, he was like the resident, the resident manager. And he would help iron clothes and put buttons on if they had a job interview and things like that. They would help each other. And it was, uh, it was kind of amazing. But not all the shelters were like that. We saw some less desirable shelters or shelters that didn't look as nice. Or sometimes it was hard for him to find a shelter, especially in the western New York area where it was less populated. Colder and they needed more for people that were actually homeless. I mean, there was times he just felt like, you know what, I feel bad taking this room tonight and taking a room from someone like we're going to stay in the RV. So they had a they had a motor home that they followed with the ground support crew that was friends, uh, graduates, friends of his from the shore from back in the 60s. And we all kind of worked together. We, we swapped out cities. Ryan would come back. Uh, you know, I would drive or fly up depending on where we were. 
And Frank would say, well, I'm in Poughkeepsie this weekend. You have to come up. It's going to be a great event. And then, Madeline yeah, was- yeah. And then as we got closer to New York City, it was a little easier to drive up. And, you know, we did a little bit more filming and it was a little more when, when things were happening. But yeah, it was an adventure. I mean, we've never really done anything like it and <laughs> probably never will again. Plus, the time he was starting because he was trying to follow the, the semester of the school. So he had to start in the late winter, early spring and it, up in Buffalo. Well, it was also his birthday. His birthday was on March. First, everyone was like why are you walking in the snow he's like i had to because he had to be in new york city by june so it was just really kind of planning making sure he was hitting a certain amount of miles walking a day and then uh you know like ryan said some shelters were more open to us coming in somewhere in some we couldn't stay at weren't really comfortable with the cameras we'd find an airbnb somewhere so it was really just you know we had to be flexible and and the ground team was too team effort you've used the words often matt moving forward. And we see that as part of the real essence of this walk, moving forward metaphorically and literally. And in the trailer, there is that sense of momentum. You see his physical, sheer physical presence pushing forward across a bridge up to hug somebody. He just seems to be someone who's determined and has this propulsion. Is that part of the film in in the style? Frank talks about a moment where he was first, he was just freshly out of the army and he was just first dealing with this thing that he didn't know what it was. And he saw his friends in the diner, he was going to meet them and he physically could not lift his feet up out of the sidewalk to get inside and had to turn around and leave eventually. But he always refers to that moment as feeling stuck in place. And it was sort of became a metaphor for life. Like, how do I avoid that? So he always feels like as long as he always tells us this, as long as his feet are moving forward, and this is why he walks. And, and this isn't the first walk he's done. He's walked across Canada. He's done the Appalachian Trails and all, every walk you can imagine he's done. It was just what he does. His, his way to avoid that moment that he just couldn't believe was happening is to constantly be moving forward. And it obviously becomes a metaphor for everybody because if anyone's too stuck in that moment, and it's something I tell my kids too, if they're dwelling on something, you need to move past it because you can't dwell on what's there. If you're dwelling on what's behind you, you're not going to be able to see what's ahead. And it's another moment in Frank's life where he went back to Saigon and he went back to South Vietnam to visit the areas that he was basically patrolling when he was serving down there. And he saw that Saigon had become this, you know, when he left, it was a bombed out city and now it's this metropolis. And he realized that in his mind, he had not moved forward. He had kept picturing it as that place. And here's a whole civilization that was able to move past what he was not able to And that inspired him. So he went on a walk and he took the boat on the Mekong River and he did all the things that he had done back then and saw how different it was. And he met all these people and saw how they had changed. And that inspired me. It's like, who does that? Who goes back and faces their fears like that? and accepts how things have changed. So yes, it's, it's a, it was a physical thing it started as, and it became this metaphor. And we say all the time to walk with Frank even became like a philosophy of life. You know, it's implementing that philosophy into your own well-being, into things that you approach and obstacles that you face in life and how you approach them. Matt and I always joke to one another, what would Frank do in these situations? Like if, if a stressful thing comes up or whatever it is, you know, what would Frank do? Because he really has that kind of resilient, positive attitude all the time. And it is contagious. And he gets mad like all of us. It's not like a superpower, but it's the way that you deal with it and the way that he accepts others for who they are without judgment whatever their politics, whatever their disability. It's not about that. He tells them, you're not alone. Like, you know, if you think you're the only one that's dealt with this, you're not, you're not special. And I love that. And and the people at first are taken back by it, but then it it brings them into this reality that, you know, I'm not the only one dealing with this. I shouldn't be asking for pity. I should be lifting myself up. 
it's up to me to do that. And, you know, he's inspired us in so many ways, and we're hoping that he can do the same for others. Matt Mayers and Ryan Mayers, award-winning filmmakers and natives of Wilkes-Barre, speaking with us about their feature-length documentary film, Walk with Frank, to be broadcast on WVIA-TV tomorrow evening at 7. That's Thursday, November 3rd at 7. Again, Friday, November 4th at 4 p.m. And also on Veterans Day, Friday, November 11th at 1 p.m. For more information about the screenings, wvia.org, wvia.org, about the film, walkwithfrank.org, walkwithfrank.org, and about the mayors themselves, mayorsfilms.com, M-A-Y-E-R-S, mayorsfilms.com. Walk with Frank, to be broadcast on WVIA-TV tomorrow evening at 7, November 3rd, Thursday evening at 7. Again, Friday afternoon, November 4th at 4. And on Friday, November 11th at 1 p.m. For more information, wvia.org, walkwithfrank.org, and mayorsfilms.com. <laughs>